All right. Well, howdy, howdy, everybody. Nice to be hanging out with you today. Uh, it's Joan Gregerson here with the Green Team Academy podcast. And today's episode is a little bit different. I have enjoyed talking with folks recently. So if you if you've missed those other recent interviews with Renee Millard Chacon and Tony Saladino, definitely check them out wherever you listen to podcasts or at greenteamacademy.com slash podcast. Um, but, uh, and then next week we're gonna be talking with Dana Coelho and Sheila DeForest about the Colorado Environmental Film Festival, which is virtual this year. Um, so that's, that is super fun. Um, and before I wanna, before I go on, I wanna let you know that I'll be announcing the dates for the Earth Week Summit, which is probably gonna be April 20th to 22nd-ish. Uh, so I'll let you know a little bit more about that later. And then also the International Climate Action Challenge, the registration for that opens February 15th. Uh, we've got all kinds of new fun stuff uh, in, in the challenge for this year, which kicks off on August 18th. All right, so got that out of the way. And what I wanted to talk with you today is um, about this idea of being enough. In, in uh, November, December, I did these interviews with my family members. You know, we're all distributed and COVID, whatever. So I did this kind of family history series. And at the end um, of each interview, I asked my siblings, so what did you what do you wish you would have known like what would you have told your younger self and all of them had pretty much the same answer which was something along the lines of you're okay you're fine in fact you're great so don't don't waste your time worrying and fretting and feeling less than you're you're okay you're already what everything that you need to be and so, you know, maybe in your family, maybe you already got that message. I don't, but I think that each of us, regardless of how we grow up, somewhere along the way, we pick up the, the feeling that, that there's things that we need to worry about. And for me, growing up in a big Catholic family, um, you know, my, some of my earliest memories are sitting inside of a church and seeing this big, huge statue of Jesus on the cross with blood dripping and you know getting the message wow Jesus was like the best person that ever lived um, but he died for your sins and it's like wait I'm four years old how did I and and like is he ever, when did this happen it's like oh a couple thousand years ago it's like wait I killed Jesus <laughs> wait how did that happen you know this this feeling that you know, just from the very early age that you, you're you wrong, that whatever it is that you're doing has these terrible consequences. And so it's no wonder that, it, like my brothers and sisters, that we grew up feeling guilty and worried and concerned. Uh, but I think it's something that that many of us face. And when when we think about, you know, compared to animals that are living in tune with nature, you know, a squirrel or a deer or a fish, they're just doing their squirrel thing or their fish thing. And they, they're already balancing all the different things that we are trying to balance. 
So we're trying to balance, you know, how much time we spend with exercise and how much money we earn and our social situation. Uh, this is something with wellness coaching. We do a wellness wheel. You know, are you eating nutritious food? Are you getting enough exercise? How are your finances? How are your family relationships, your social, uh, your spiritual? You know, it's like all these things to balance. And it's no wonder that that when we're going through our lives constructed as they are now, that more than one of them probably aren't in balance every day. And so being able to be okay with that and understand there's this kind of this pendulum where, you know, you might focus on really eating nutritious food and, and sticking very closely to that. And then maybe your, your social uh, score goes down a little bit, or you focus on your social stuff and then you're not spending enough time exercising. That's totally fine. And understanding there's this pendulum where you're going to swing, you go to a more strict regimen on something and other things might get a little bit out of balance. And then this one comes back in balance and, and, you know, and all these things repeat themselves. So it's okay. We're okay. Wherever you are, it's okay. And, that, and so this idea of feeling that you are enough. And, and so I, I wanted to start my story of kind of how I came the tools that I'm using by talking a little bit about my own journey through all of this. And I would say a big part of it started in 2007, where I was recently divorced um, from a very amazing guy that I've been married to for 23 years. So, so now I'm single. Um, I, my mom in the mix of that had gotten very I don't know, was stirring up trouble. So I'm like, okay, mom, I'm not going to talk to you for a few years. So now here I am. I, I'm not a, I'm not a wife. I'm not really much of a daughter at the moment. Um, my, my youngest daughter was still at home getting ready to go off to college. And my oldest had been um, already in college. So, you know, my roles were, were totally up in the air. And, and at the same time, I started reading these different people like Louise Hay about, you know, just that the root of any problem that you're facing is probably a lack of self-love. And that was kind of an amazing perspective for me to think about. And, and I started uh, in a meditation class. Um, and and uh, along the way, I also started going to a 12-step program. As, as a lot of people do, I thought I was, I needed to get someone else in the program. And uh, through those inquiries, they said, well, you know, actually we, we have one for you. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, started doing all this different stuff where I started looking at how am I actually living and where, where are the areas where I'm seeing the friction and how can I, how can I get through that? So in 2007, um, I decided to go to Ghana in Africa for a month to do this drumming and dancing workshop. Sounds fun, right? And so, wow, you know, to go from engineering, which was my background, to getting up in the morning, doing one hour of, of um, dancing, and then another hour of singing and drumming, and then repeating that in the afternoon, that was just like, I realized after being with all these introverted engineers, 
this was was definitely a different way of being this just putting yourself out there and being you know your voice joining with other people's voices and the whole thing of drumming and dancing together and the drumming feeling like it's your same heartbeat and it it really it all those things just kind of like cracked me open and at the same time i had gone from doing engineering which was a pretty you know reasonable kind of salary to um to basically no salary <laughs> and and not and when i came back i really had a hard time fitting in again and so i i had this kind of roller coaster of of the financial stuff and so when my finances crashed so I kept going back to Ghana. I just loved it so much. I went five times uh, from 2007 to 2009. And one of the things I realized, I remember thinking is like, wow, I wish that everybody would lose all of their finances early in life because they, you realize like, it doesn't really matter. I was sitting there. I mean, I think that was one of the amazing things about in Ghana is that you know, people really didn't care who my, who my family was, what my degree was, what my work was. I just sat, I spent a lot of time just sitting next to people and either talking or singing or dancing or drumming. And I, I got this sense of myself that was, that was outside of all the constructs that, that seemed so important. I remember when I was in Niger with um, some friends who were in the Peace Corps as part of these travels, and they said, um, you know, when you go to the market, look for this one guy that's the the butcher there. He he's wearing this one, like, green, uh, some kind of sports jersey, and I was like, well, what if he's not wearing that today? And they, he goes, no, he wears that every day. And so this thing of like, I had been so concerned about what you know what clothes i had you know am i looking professional enough am i this am i that am i whatever and when i went to ghana most of those things and, and traveled around africa most of those things didn't matter nobody cared and it was people had time for me to just kind of hang out and so through this experience i picking up all these different tools i found a way to recognize if I was starting getting to get anxious, which as I was saying earlier, is natural. Like we're always gonna be running into that anxiety thing for a minute, but you don't have to stay there. You know, it's like the story of the, uh, the two monks that had taken a vow to never touch a woman. They came up to a stream um, that had been recently flooded and there was a woman who couldn't cross. So one of the monks went over, picked her up, carried her across, put her down, kept walking. The other monk was like, you touched a woman. Oh my gosh, what, how did you do that? What did you do? What are you thinking? That's gonna change everything. And, and the monk said, well, I only carried the woman for a minute. You're carrying her, you're continuing to carry her. And, it, and I guess that's what I'm saying is that when, when we're feeling that those moments of anxiety, like you'll hear people on the news, right? Saying, everyone's afraid right now. Well, I'm not afraid because I, I notice now that when I'm feeling fear, 
when I'm feeling anxiety, when I'm feeling worry, which happens all the time, that I can go, oh, that's fear. I don't need that. And I have ways to, to get back on track. And, and so the, the, other, the other thing, one of the people that I really enjoyed reading of, um, her work is Shakti Gawain. Um, her book, Creative Visualization, is amazing. Um, but she also talks about this idea of three levels of having and doing and being. And, and a lot of our culture is talking about having, like, do you have a nice house? house? Do you have a good enough car? Do you have nice enough clothes? You know, this, all this having. So a lot of our work is about having. Well, the next, the next level is doing. You know, what are you doing with your time? Are you doing something useful? Are you, you know, should you be working? Should you be um, exercising? Should you be, you know, calling your family? Like, what are the things that you're doing? But there's a deeper level, which is being. And and so this is this is something that I learned um, when I started teaching, especially, is that the most powerful thing that you could do. So in, in, uh, in 2010, I ended up in South Korea, my first job teaching English. The, the most powerful thing that you could do is just be there. Your, your students are coming with all these different things running around in their heads. And, and if you show up with all these things running around in your head too, then it's, it's really hard to to have an impact on that person, person to person. So I realized in that, ex in that experience that the best thing that I could do was just be there, to be super present with every single student that I was interacting with, that I could recognize them and see them and, and let them know that I had seen them. And this is, this is outside of, you know, did you do the assignment? Are you behaving? Are you misbehaving? Uh, you know, whatever else was going on was that, you know, if I could just be there with them. And so it didn't matter. Um, so, so at that same time, I was having some really crazy financial stuff happening because I had, I had arrived in Korea. Um, so this is 2010, my first job. I didn't know any Korean whatsoever. So I couldn't read the Korean alphabet. I couldn't I didn't know anything about Korean culture. I don't know what I was thinking that I could just slide in. Um, but I, I was taken to my apartment, which they said, you know, most of the teachers were, will give you a furnished apartment. And so I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll just show up and have a furnished apartment. Well, they said most. <laughs> and so the, the apartment that I got after three days of walking around in the rain with this one guy that I don't remember what all we were doing, I guess, looking at different apartments um, that finally they said, okay, this is the one, here's your apartment. It, there was nothing. It was an empty apartment and, and I had no money and I didn't know how to, to read. I didn't know where to go to shop. Um, I had only the things that I had carried with me. Um, and so, you know what, but what I remembered was like, I'm okay. This is all right. You know, like I'm, I'm okay in this situation. And, and so being 
in this place where you feel like a three-year-old because you can't read, you you don't you're constantly offending people, you don't know the culture, you're just like I was continually lost, like physically and mentally, probably spiritually. Um, but I had these tools to come back to, to write, remind myself, like, you're okay. You can find peace in this moment, regardless of what all else is happening. And, and I thought, okay, well, that's cool. Um, that's great. I really needed that. But, but what happened was I realized that in Korea, the level of stress is, is just over the top and and i was picking up on that just kind of in general with my students and how they talked about their lives and uh but but then i started seeing like reading in the paper like 13 year old jumps off um building to kill herself because of a low test score and and i realized wow this 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 thing about um this thing about being okay in the moment, this, this, all the stuff about your identity not being linked up to what your score is, you let you don't, you just, just are, yeah. Like Nan is saying, you know, we're we're human beings, not human doings. You know, we're just that that a kid that's 13 years old that just had a poor test score is not anymore. She's not any less lovable. She's not any less worthy, not any less deserving of just, you know, care and love. And and if you can't give that to yourself, then then you're really putting yourself at risk. And so that is why I wrote the first book, which was called Tuning In to Inner Peace. And it was it's really I wrote it for people that that don't feel like they're, you know, faith-based people. They don't talk about God. They don't talk about meditation. I wanted something for, for people who just weren't weren't in that realm, but they just wanted just I just wanted them to know that there this very simple thing. If you're starting to feel anxious, you're starting to feel worried. Um, that's totally fine, but you don't have to stay there. There's ways that you can just swing back in and feel this this peaceful place um, immediately. And and so one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is that there's been a lot of people kind of reaching out talking about, you know, we need money, we need this, we need that. And, you know, that's entirely possible. I mean, I'm doing the same thing. There's things that I would like more money for and I'm looking at grants and applying for grants. And, and so I'm not saying that money is good or bad, but I think using, using, um, so I also love the stuff from Byron Katie, um, where, where Byron Katie has this question, like, is it true? And so anytime that you find yourself saying, I need, we need this, we need this quickly. Like that is a really good time. I try not to use the word need because, um, you know, you can go into that. Is it true? Uh, for example, when you when I look at my life and look at the times that I didn't have money, that I was in what would look like financial dire straits. Um, you know, I ended up sleeping on 
uh, my niece's couch with for a couple months when I came back from Korea one time. I moved back in with my mom. I I moved in with my friends, slept in their basement. You know, people think, oh gosh, you know, that's that's terrible. But you know, during those times, that during those times there was healing that was happening in in a lot of cases like it moving back and staying with my mom there was a a rift there that was asking to be healed and come moving back and staying with her when i was in my 40s and in my 50s that gave us a chance to to address things that hadn't been earlier and i had i had enough money there's no way i would have done that i would have bought myself out of that that situation um, you know, and at the same time, you know, like when we did the, when I was in Longmont and we were doing Sustainable Revolution Longmont, it was the fact that we didn't have money earlier on that got us the the reservation for the Boulder County Fairgrounds because it was the only place that didn't require a big deposit, um, oddly. Um, but also then we were able to to go with that and get a lot of money so that we were able to have this big, huge event that had, you know, 1,000, 1,200 people and change the course of the city. So what I'm saying is that whatever you think, like you think we don't need money, well, maybe you do. <laughs> you think we do need money, maybe you don't. To, to not get too attached to to just money as a as a means of that kind of currency. I looked up the different definition of currency of the word, the etymology of it, and somewhere in the 1620s, the 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 word was um, being in the flow. And so when we think about that, there's so many different types of of currency. I was listening to a Louise Hay tape the other day about prosperity, and she's saying, you know, like there's there's a lot of ways to be prosperous. You can you can either be poor or prosperous in your time. You know, do you have do you feel like you have time in the day to to get whatever it is, you know, to to enjoy your life? So you could be short on time but have plenty of money. Um, so do you have time? Do you have are you prosperous in love, in your relationships? in creativity, in your, your finances, like there's so many different ways. And understanding that if, you, if, if you're working on a project, you're trying to make a big impact in your community, that if you work on relationships, relationships, you and nature, you know, our, our teams are um, like Jeffrey in Kenya that planted 30,000 trees in 90 days, you ask him, Jeffrey, where'd you get the money? And he's like, we don't, we don't have any money. You know, we bought seeds and we grew from seeds. We grew these seedlings. And then we went out and talked with, with widows and with youth in different villages. Um, so that is an example of when you, when you don't have money as when I was interviewing Dan Diaz, he said, I said, what do you do if you don't have money? And he said, money is never an obstacle to to taking action for for protecting the planet, it should never be an obstacle. And and so, if you if you have money, if you don't have money, 
you know, if you if you're at a place where you don't have money, that's the time to really feel the gratitude of everything that you do have. And the fact that you can pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, we've got this idea. What do you think? And get yourself surrounded by those hundred partners, those hundred ideal partners that think your idea is a good idea. And that's going to, you know, however you talk about it, like people say, you know, raise your level of vibration so that people are going to want to to work with you. So going from, you know, when you when you feel needy, like I've done this, oh, I probably do it every day, but especially I did it in Korea where people were so busy and I I was like determined to not just hang out with the foreigners, you know, with Americans and Canadians. I'm like, I'm going to just spend my time with Koreans, but where I was at that moment, my friends were like, I can't talk to you. I'm studying for a test. I, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm like, they were, uh, it's completely different than in Ghana where people had time. Um, so, you know, in Korea, I was, uh, I, I was poor in, in those social kind of interactions, but in, at different times, you know, I had enough money. So being able to to understand that that there's so many different levels of currency um and so so this brings me to to one of the things that if you've ever looked at the aa big book uh there's a there's a section in there um page 63 or so um that talks about this idea of um it says we had a new employer and and i so, so the way that I do this on a daily basis is I start the, the day with a simple prayer and that it is boiled down to this. It's, I work for you. And I don't even know who I'm talking to. You know, some people would call this God. Some would call it the universe. Um, you, you call it whatever you want. I kind of think of it as the universe because I think of it as the miracle of life of life on the planet, of the spiritual miracles that have happened in my life that I don't, that I had played a very minor role in, um, things that, that happened to me that are just these incredible gifts. I don't know where all this is coming from, but I'm just saying to whoever that is, whatever that is, I work for you. And that is how I've kind of distilled what I learned in the 12-step programs the, the, that in that step they're talking about, um, you know, do with me what you will, build, build with me, and, and let me step back from my small ideas and small plans and be part of your plans. And, and so that's how I do it is... I don't know what all is going on. And, and I also know that, you know, like the, I think that the, the dominant culture is playing a game like maybe risk, like the board game risk, but I'm playing a game maybe like twister or I don't know what game I'm playing. But if, if I think that I'm playing risk on in this corporate, you know, dominated world, this capitalistic thing, then maybe I don't look like I'm winning. So if I know that I'm working for somebody else, for something else, and that I'm a direct employee of 
the exact thing that I want my life to be about, then I'm okay. And, and so that's, that's what I wanted to, to kind of say, let me see if there was a few other things on my little list that I wanted to get to. I think I hit most of them. Um, yeah, so a couple things is, one is the, the wording. So as I was saying, anytime somebody says, oh man, we really need to whatever, that that just like raises a little flag for me because there's been so many things I thought I needed and something else completely happened and it was better. So I, I trust the process, I trust the universe. So um, thinking about those words that, that send a red flag. Um, another one is should. So somebody tells you, oh, somebody tells me, hey, Joan, you really should, whatever. It's like, okay, wait, you don't know about my life. And so also when we're talking to other people, using should is really not a good way to get people on your side. Um, so when people are shooting on you, uh, then then change it in your mind to could. I could do that. And it, that gives me a better, um, a, a kind of a less emotional way to, to process that. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was this idea of saying no with gusto rather than guilt. Uh, there are a lot of people like me that are people pleasers. We just want to say yes to everybody and every idea that comes our way. Oh, I can help you with that. I can help you with that. And this this idea of helping and um, pleasing people can be like the real root of a lot of problems. There is a triangle. Now I forget the name of it, but it starts with rescuing. So rescuing is the first thing that you do. You see somebody, you try to rescue them, and then it leads to resentment because they really didn't want to be rescued at all. And then you end up being mean to them because they resent you. So so this thing of kind of feeling very, taking your time to feel very confident about what it is that you want to do and what your reasons, what your motivations are. So if somebody asks you, um, so if, if you wanna go fix somebody, that's probably not a good idea. Um, but also if somebody asks you to do something that you're not just like really thrilled about doing, then to to realize that when you say no, you have protected your your passion area. You've, you've just prevented yourself from getting distracted. And that's why I say, if you can say no with gusto, rather than guilt is a is a great place to aspire to it's not always uh not always easy and um yeah so that's i think kind of the main things that i wanted to to talk about today was just making sure that you you feel that you are enough already and yes, there's a lot of interesting things that we're working on right now. Um, Joanna Macy has some great um, ways to conceptualize this, but this idea that, you know, it's like we're watching a superhero movie. Like when you watch a superhero movie and you, you see good versus evil and how exciting it is, well, that's where we are right now. We're in this big... Uh, you know, we're in this big superhero movie for the future of life on the planet and, and not just for us, but for lots of other species. And so it's exciting, it's creative, but 
if we can stay out of feeling desperate or dire or needy, um, then I think that you're going to feel better and things are going to roll your way more, or at least that has been my experience. All right, so th those are my two cents. Um, Nan saying, I love life and life loves me. Exactly. Yeah, that any kind of, any kind of thing, this idea that, you know, the universe has your back. I, I work with an energy healer and she, I'm always getting these really funny messages of your spirit guides are, are laughing because they're, they're going, wow, this is what humans spend their time worried about. There's magic everywhere. Things can come to you from so many different ways. And that that has been demonstrated every single day. I have this little practice called miracle of the day where I just notice, you know, what, what was the miracle, the unexpected, beautiful thing that happened today. Um, and yeah, so the more that we can feel this, this kind of at home in our, in our lives and, and centered in, in love and trusting the process, um, the better, the better things are, are going to be. And, you know, and maybe that attracts people that give you hundreds of thousands of dollars to take your vision and move forward. Or maybe you, you don't get that money and then you're forced to call a bunch of people and, and make a bunch of relationships. So whichever way it goes, it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay and you are enough. All right. So thanks so much everybody for hopping in today. Um, and I, I really, um, I, <laughs> this is something that I could go on and on about the book tuning into inner peace has more details on this as well as the poetry book, um, which is called with open arms also has a lot of that too, if you're interested in more. All right. Have a beautiful day and I will see you soon. Okay. Bye.